My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the <laughs> instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as podcast producer is Pat Francis. Hello. And as guest is Jack Thomas. Hello, Jack. Hello. Because you're both making me laugh right now. <laughs> you were just sitting I here. I don't know. Like, I was taking a moment to look around the room. I know. Like, I started to talk, and Jack like, starts looking up at the ceiling. He's, you he's know. looking to see, the, check out the studio. <laughs> it's a lovely studio, don't you think? It's very, very nice. <laughs> Pat and uh, okay, Jack Thomas, our guest, um, is an accomplished writer, accomplished producer, but he's also an old, old friend, as you guys can tell. And you guys have been playing poker like once a month for how many years now? For a while, once a month for about two years, but we've played on and off for a while. Yeah, we played on and off. Jackson more poker games in our in our apartment. Yeah, like Jack would play ten those. Years ago, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, back yeah. in the day, and we were in a sketch show. We did a sketch show together. Yeah. when I first moved out here, right? Must see sketch show. I was giving you bad dating advice back then. Do you remember that, Jack? Oh gosh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. terrible. I terrible. was like getting any get- dating advice. Yeah, I, I yeah, needed yeah. As much as I could get. Yeah, there was this restaurant. You were like, "Where should I go?" And I sent you to like this stupid restaurant. Oh. I'm really sorry. It was like miles away. You were like, "Thanks a lot." By the time we got there she hated me yeah, well, yeah. you know that was going to happen either way <laughs> but Jack uh, um, what was I going to say uh, Jack's, is, Jack's a very serious poker player but once a month he comes and plays we don't really play poker we play we call it we play cards it's more of a social it's gathering more of a social and occasionally a hand of cards will get played kind of like old ladies and gin yeah kind when, of like that when you can much. move the pizza and, and chips off the table and, and deal yeah how much money jack do you think over the course of the this time pat has lost at these poker games i, I don't know you know he's been just, winning recently see i told you that, and that uh I, and I may, he may have recouped all of his losses really yeah, i'm trying to pay attention Leon. well yeah th- <laughs> you know that is the strange thing when he pays attention he's actually a pretty good player but a lot of times he gets distracted and he wants to talk about whether Cheap Trick should go out on tour again. And right. then we have no idea what What do you think knows. is the answer to that question? Because I know what my answer is. What's yours, Jack? Well, they should never stop touring. They should never stop touring. <laughs> Why would you stop doing what you love? That, like writing or your, podcasting? That was Jack's answer, Pat. Oh, okay. That was Pat's answer. No, I would. I, would, uh, uh, I don't know why I picked Cheap Trick. I I I think that yeah you know his his what he said is exactly true. If you love doing it, you should always keep doing it. Jack is a good friend. <laughs> he is a very good friend. Let me tell you a little bit about Jack Thomas. When he's not playing poker with my husband Pat Francis, he is. You've done so much. Like we haven't talked in like. Like hung out in like ten years, and yeah. you did all this stuff. So this is what you've done. I got a career since I stopped it's, it's talking to you. Cra- yeah, maybe that's the secret. Um, <laughs> so you've written for Nickelodeon. You wrote the fairly. Uh, you wrote on the fairly odd parents. Right. How many years did you do that? I, I think that was two thousand one to two thousand five. I probably wrote about forty of them. Wow. That's a lot. And, and then I became a, uh, near the end. I was associate story editor, which meant that if we had a freelance script, it was my job to take it and 
make it feel more like a fairly odd parent script. Well, you know what? Let's let's uh, let's just start there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can we start there? Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, because uh, I asked my seven year old today, uh, "What? Could you just tell me what the fairly odd parents is about?" And so she gave this pitch. Okay. And also, I want to say, you know, because of cable and stuff, our daughter's seven, and she is just into the Fairly Odd Parents right now, and she watches it every day. She loves it. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Well, hold on a second. got to get it started. Okay. Here's our daughter, seven-year-old Rita, with her Fairly Odd Parents pitch. Okay. Tell me what the Fairly Odd Parents is about. Um, well, it's about this boy, and his parents are always going out. And so <clears throat> he had this really, really mean babysitter. So <clears throat> these fairies give him fairly odd parents like to look after him in case he gets in trouble or something happens to him. Cool. That sounds like a good show. Do you like it? Yep, I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is the premise. Timmy is an average kid that no one understands. Mom and Dad and Vicky, that's the babysitter, always giving him demands. That's the theme song. Yeah. And that's the that is the premise of the show. It's a kid with two idiot, fairly god, fairly odd godparents, fairy godparents, and uh, well, one's an idiot and the other's sort of a well-meaning his well-meaning wife. And uh, it was created by Butch Hartman, who's a genius, and he's very much in the mold of Seth MacFarlane. He can do every job on the show. He can do the voices if he wanted to. He could do the writing, and. Uh, and I was lucky enough to – I wrote a freelance script. Uh, a friend named Steve Marmel was on the show and he said, you know, we're looking for a freelance writer. you want to pitch a story? And so I came in with three pitches. He said, I, I really like this one pitch. Let's write it up right now. They wrote it up as a page. They came back to me about a week later and said, let's write an outline. I wrote an outline. They came back about a week later and said, all right, write a script. And I didn't hear anything for about four months. And they said, you know, of all our freelancers, you sucked the least. <laughs> so do you want a staff job? Wow. So, uh, yeah, I had a 10-week contract and never written on a TV show before. Were you nervous when you got that? I was pe- petrified because Steve was the only person I knew on the show, and, and he had gotten – I don't even remember this, but there was a time where he had this traveling talk show for like Spike TV. It didn't last very long. But as soon as I got there, he left. So you didn't have anyone to show. lean on. I didn't know anybody. I literally sat in an empty office for three days waiting for something to do. Uh, but then it turned out to be great, which was a, a great guy. Uh, there were great artists on the show who really sort of mentored me a little bit in what it is to write for animation because it is sort of a, a different thing. It's a much more visual forum. And uh, snappy wordplay does not amuse uh, a seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Now you you uh, you know you were writing on all these shows long before you had children. Do you th- right. do you think that that was actually an asset? Uh, yes, because I have one firm and fast rule for writing animation for kids, and that's to write what you, the writer, think is funny, but just set it in the kids' world. Okay. Because then they'll have that frame of reference. If you try to write down to them, if you try to write simple things. You're going to lose them. But if you write things that would make make you laugh, but they happen to happen in a playground or in an elementary school or in the cafeteria, then it's going to make them laugh too. Did you – when you came in with your pitches, how many shows had you watched? How – what kind of homework had you done? Uh, I'd seen one episode. <laughs> and I was really surprised and really happy that it was really funny to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, well – 
this would be a cool show. You know, this is not, uh, you know, like a preschool show, which right. is more about educating. And so I, I'd seen one episode, and so I came up with just an idea that I thought would be cool is what if he wished for a, a super bike, like the best bike on the planet, but he made him make it so good that it was immune to their own magic so that when it went wrong, as things invariably do on the show, he wishes for something, it goes awry, and then they, they couldn't just unwish it. He had to find a different way to get rid of it than just go, we unwish that, which I think was sort of the set formula in a lot of their episodes. And I think maybe that's what helped was they went, oh, well, this is an interesting concept. Uh, this isn't our usual way of doing things, and here's a guy who might bring us some ideas outside the box. You were breaking the mold. Not breaking the mold, but uh, maybe adding a twist. Altering it. Because I think they'd done 13 episodes. I think I was there – I think my episode was episode 14. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just got – good news for your daughters. They just got picked up for, I think, another 20. So they're – this is insane longevity for a yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow. It's in, at the SpongeBob level. I think the, this will be like episodes 120 to 140. Wow. And normally with kids' television, they do about 50 or 60, and then they know they can run them over and over and over again because kids age out of the demographic and new kids come in. Right. Now, now this sort of what-ifing to get to an idea, is, mm. that, is that something that you regularly do, or do you have sort of other ways in to find you know, what would be a new episode idea? Well, uh, at first it was a little easier because it was just what would I would have wished for when I was a kid. I mean, that was just the simplest way to do things. Well, when we got to about episode 50, <laughs> and, and remember, we're doing two 11s per half hour. Wow. So that's two different wishes. Well, now it's not just what would you – we've wished for everything. <laughs> you know, so now is it – now we, we got on the kick of what happens when he unwishes something and then we – decided there was an island where everything was unwished to and all those things he'd unwished now were mad at him and they wanted to come back and get revenge <laughs> oh very and, cool or what would happen if another kid got fairies and they found out about each other but they're not supposed to if you tell anybody you have fairies you lose them so that was always one of the things one of the things that butch did that was brilliant early on was he made up a set of rules so that the magic with the superpower essentially would have kryptonite to it you can't use a wish to affect true love. You can't wish for money. You can't wish to cheat. If anyone finds out about your fairies, you lose them. So we had all these things that we could play with as opposed to just totally imagining what would be the greatest thing to wish for. So, uh, you know, eventually we had to start, you know, making uh, plays on our own dynamic. Right. And then after I left, they, uh, the fairly odd pair, the godparents had a baby. Uh, <laughs> So that then they had to take care of that and take care of Timmy, and so they've. Oh, that's great! It, it's gone on in my absence. I mean, I left, did a show at Disney, did fifty-two episodes, and by and that was over. And they were still making new Fairly Odd, but that's how that's a longevity. Of that show. Now, was that the replacements? Yeah, that was the replacements. Now you ran this show. Do you mean that you were sort of? I was the EP. Okay. Um, they had bought a concept from a guy named Dan Santat, a really funny children's book author. Wait, we have the pitch of that concept. Oh, let's I hear. think by uh, Rita, our seven-year-old. Right. Let's let's I'm see. Jumping back to the recording. Here we go. Yeah. What about the replacements? What's that about? Um, the replacements is about. So they were, <clears throat> in, I think in orphanage, and then so they get this magazine and <clears throat> it has like this replacement ad in it and then so 
<clears throat> they <clears throat> just cut it out and mailed it, and <clears throat> they got, like, a mom and dad. And I think it's just a really great show. So what what do they use the ad for? To get parents. To get, like, parents, really. Oh, really? So they mm-hmm. advertise for parents? Yeah. And they can have different parents every, every week? Mm-hmm. Are you going to do that? No. <laughs> you promise? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's so funny. That's not actually <coughs> the exact premise. Right. But that's one of the this, – this had a crazy development. Uh cycle uh, dan created this idea of the show and and it was just basically these two kids in an orphanage who saw an ad in the back of a comic book clipped it out and they got a stunt man like an evil can evil guy and a british spy as their new mom and dad and so disney sort of liked it and they paid me to develop it and i came up with this backstory that there was this corporation that actually sent out replacement parents to kids because everybody gets every kid gets mad at their parents at some point right oh yeah so what this company would do is they would go oh really you want to have an astronaut parent and a circus uh trapeze artist parent all right we'll send them out to you and after about two weeks you get bored with them and you'll send them back Mm -hmm. and it was all to try to teach them a lesson that that was what i envisioned and what the pilot became but then these two kids are orphans well they don't they're never going to send them back (laughs) <laughs> They've decided to keep these two parents <laughs> who didn't really know they were going to be there for more than two weeks. And so so that's what the pilot was. Uh-huh. And Disney got really nervous about that idea and felt that, that it needed to be more sophisticated than that. So then the next pitch was, all right, these kids can replace their parents every week if they want to. Oh, we're going on a camping trip. Let's get a Boy Scout camp leader parent. And then Disney totally freaked out about that because they didn't want kids thinking that parents were replaceable. <laughs> so then we came up with this idea of, all right, what if they can just replace any adults in their lives other than the – you know, the first people they ordered were their parents. And then they got these phones. And then if they have like a bad little league coach, they can replace him and get a better coach. But, of course, it will all turn out to go awry. So that's how it eventually ended up. We're the only show in Disney Channel history that we had to test a second time for parents. Normally, they test them with kids. We tested through the roof. They go, we're not sure the parents are going to like this. So they made us test it with parents, and they still liked it. So that's how we eventually got on the air. Because the parents are thinking, well, you know, if the kids replace us, maybe we're in the Bahamas. Well, (laughs) see, that was the other funny thing. What happens to the replaced parents? Mm -hmm. Or the replaced adults. So we always would do things. Uh, well, this was one of the episodes. They replaced their little league coach because he's falling asleep all the time and he doesn't care about winning. He wins an around the world cruise. So when you get replaced, something nice happens. Okay. To you. you get a better job, or you get a vacation, or you win the lottery because this company is uber rich that is doing all these replacements. And once we came up with that, I had a whole backstory. This show actually, episode fifty-two, ended the. The series, and we actually revealed that the person who has been sending them all these, sending them all these replacements, is actually their long lost uncle, and he felt sorry for them, but he didn't feel like he was qualified to be a parent. Aww. So he was trying to teach them life lessons. Nice. 
And uh, yeah, it was because we knew we weren't going to go past 52, and they let us do a final episode. Rita, Rita goes, yeah, it ran for like five weeks. And I said, <laughs> really? That's all? Yeah. Could you ask him to make more? So uh, you oh, have a... well, uh, that's a... Uh, please write to Disney. Okay. I think it ran for five weeks if you watch uh, 10 episodes a day. Well, like they weeks. do. Which, yeah. I just la- I was kept laughing at Rita, clearing her throat, just... She was... I put the microphone in front, and she immediately, you know, turned into me with... Instead of saying, um, and you know... She's still got the littlest voice of all time. She does. The little voice thing. It's hard. Well, your your little girl has her little voice. And she's still little. When the little voice goes... That's when they grow up. Really? Yeah. No. One day you go, oh, little voice is gone. When they, when a little voice goes, the devil gets his pitchfork. <laughs> <laughs> what about, you also uh, wrote for the regular show for the Cartoon Network. Yeah. Um, wait, wait. Not the regular show. Oh, I'm sorry. Regular. Regular, regular show. show. Yes. And this is for an older audience. Yeah. This is for, uh, uh, it comes on before Adult Swim, mm-hmm. sort of. More aimed at teenagers. Uh, it's a it's an interesting show. It's a storyboard driven show. So we didn't write scripts on this show. All we had to do was write premises and outlines. Wow! And it was a very different experience for me because I'd been uh, primarily on script driven shows, and in this show, we weren't actually even supposed to write jokes. Mm, that must be hard. It was extremely hard to get in the. The uh, vibe of the show. That sounds like an irregular show. It is an irregular <laughs> show, but it really, really flows from the mind of the creator. He's a very funny guy, and he has a very definite uh, viewpoint of what he wants the show to be, and uh, and he really trusts his board artists to write the dialogue themselves. And uh, I mean, there are a lot of really great animated shows that are done that way. SpongeBob is board driven. Phineas and Ferb is board driven. You know, there are no scripts. They just go from you know. Sometimes fairly detailed, sometimes really simple outlines. Now, as a writer, do you ever find yourself sort of battling this need to control more? Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, was, and Jack, because Jack used to be an attorney. Oh, that's so. True. Does that I stem forgot. from that, Jack? No, I don't. No, that just stems from being a writer. No, I think yeah, because you're used to you know uh, the cliche of being the god of your own universe, and mm-hmm. and so you you plot things out fairly carefully. And then on this show, I mean, I was literally just coming up with ideas like uh, they find a hole that goes to the center of the earth. I mean, and they would go, oh, yeah, maybe that's a good episode. What would they do? And then, and then if it was a, if it made it, then it was just taken away from me. And who knows was how it ended up in. Uh, I mean, it was an interesting way to do a show. I thought, frankly, the writer's talents were a little wasted because – we our our input later in the process at the point in an animated show at a certain point it's storyboarded out and most shows do a pitch they put it up on the wall and the person who wrote it goes through and sort of acts it out and you look at the panels or a lot of times now they're doing them almost like PowerPoint presentations mm-hmm. on a big screen and you have your staff in there and you have your writers and you know we have opportunities to punch things up and on a lot of shows that's a big chance to improve the script and on this show. The writer's input was fairly minimal. Now, again, I'll say that uh, J.G., the guy who ran the show, it was all coming out of his head. It was very much his own level of insanity. So that's the way he wanted to do it. And uh, How were you credited on regular show then? Were you called a writer? Uh, yeah, we're cre- credited as writers, but okay. we're at the end, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think we have – we're 
credited as writers, but we don't get written by credit. Gotcha. With, with Jack now, he's so important that he just gets Big Shot. That's his title. <laughs> big Shot, Jack Thomas. Also coming from yeah. Jack was a stand-up comedian also, and that's when you write your own stuff and you just perform it. So you're probably, you're very, you yeah. hold on to your, your, your written word. Yeah, you don't want people changing it. Yeah. Well, you have to learn if you're going to work in television. It's a collaborative process, and you can't be in love with any of your first drafts, no matter how great they are. Somebody's going to have different visions about things. They're going to change. You have to know that is the nature of the business, and if you don't want to do it that way, write screenplays and hope that you know that isn't going to work. They're going to right. you're going right. to lose control. Absolutely. I, unless you're writing your own thing to do on YouTube by yourself. You're never going to have total control. You have to know it's, it is absolutely going to change. There are reasons things change that you can't control. Right. And uh, also, you know, if it is a collaborative process, you have to sort of trust your collaborators, right? Right. It's probably why you've worked so much for so long. You're clearly a team player as well as somebody who's a good writer. Well, I think, I think in animation you have to be because at a certain point an artist is going to take it over and they're going to – draw it and sometimes they're going to conceptualize it differently than you and sometimes that will make it better and sometimes it won't and sometimes i mean in television they're just so rushed anymore that they don't have really time to be creative like they used to but it's uh and then but but that's but that's the nature of the product i'm working on how to train your dragon now well we're a cg show so and this is based on the on the on the movie How to Train on the yeah, very popular totally DreamWorks. Excited about this! I loved that movie. Yeah, we saw the movie. That was one we went as a family. And Surprisingly we just loved it. good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Were you surprised? I was. Yeah. And I just like I would show that in class. I just think structurally it lines up so great, but it's it's imaginative. It doesn't feel like formula. It's great. Yeah, I, I think it's extremely well done. And but when you're doing a CG TV show, well, you have limits to the number of assets you can put on the screen at the same time that can be moving. It's not a movie, so you have a limited schedule. So, you know, there are times where we write something and it's this big aerial battle and they come back and go, we can't put seven dragons on the screen at once. Oh, no. <laughs> you're going to have to figure out a way to do three, you know, and, and just going forward, you need to know you're going to have to split the group up a lot. Uh, and that's just, that's nothing I can control. That's just a budgetary concern. Yeah. But if you're a good writer, you go, all right, that's part of the game. That's like, oh, your character is only going to have uh, one arm. Okay, it's just a new thing I have to work into the plot line. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, I, I, it's DreamWorks, by the way, a dream to work for. Is it? They have great food. They have great food. Uh, yeah, when I was working over there, man, just really well fed. Yes. Yeah, DreamWorks are, animation with the free lunch every day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So are, the, uh, are these the characters from the movie? In the TV show, or yeah. these new characters? No, it's all the characters from the movie. There are a couple of new characters. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take place, the series takes place between the first and second movies. Okay. There's, they're working on the sequel as we speak. So is the animated show going to be on before the second movie? Yeah, it's uh, premiering in the fall. Okay, great. I was brought on for second season, and uh, the I think it goes on Cartoon Network in the fall. I, I actually think it's going to actually kick some ass. Maybe win an Emmy. Oh, I don't know about that. I, you know, <laughs> awards are so, you know, and I, I mean, they're great if you win them. You just try to do the best. It's the thing, you know, you read all these fanboys and they're so critical. They don't understand all the hard work no. it, it takes to put any show on, mm-hmm. let alone a good show. Right. So anytime somebody gets it done and they get it up on the air or they get it done and they get it on YouTube, for goodness mm. sakes, I just go, Congratulations. 
Right. You did something 95% of the people don't do because they don't finish. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? It's a, a, what's that old saying about um, you put in just as much effort and hard work to make something that turns out bad sometimes as you do to, to make something that turns out good? Yeah. Oh, so what are you saying? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's... <laughs> I'm talking to these fanboys that just sit back and... Well, you know, I guess my response would be, why are you a grown man watching cartoons? Go and do something. Because the cartoons are so good now. They are so Cartoons. Phineas and Ferb is wonderful. Yeah, Phineas Really funny stuff. All these shows are so good. Have you... Are you going to stay in the world of animation or do you also write live action? Well, you know, I'm at this point where... Animation is what everybody thinks of that I'm good at. Mm-hmm. So for me to do something other than animation is, you know, I have slightly more credibility maybe than another writer, but I have the most credibility in animation. So it's the easiest place for me to stay. And isn't the isn't it isn't it a bigger world to write when you're writing animation because almost anything can happen other than having seven dragons on the screen at one time. Well, but <laughs> but you know what? I'll, I'll say this: even not in CG shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you always have to respect the artist right. who has a, a short schedule, and so you don't want a herd of zebras with all different stripes running across the screen. Right. As much as the beauty of animation is, hey, yeah, we can go to the Roman Colosseum for a three-second shot, you also have to not kill the guy who's going to have to draw That's it. true. Uh, but that is that is true and to a large degree, especially in 2D animation. You can go all over the world. I mean, that's family guys, those cutaways they do those fast cuts right i mean that's they couldn't do that you couldn't afford to do that in in live action so it does give you a certain amount of freedom but once you're in production you also have to respect how hard it will be for artists to keep up if you keep doing that all the time um what are you working on right now for yourself that you can talk about uh i am uh one of my failed tv pitches i'm trying to write as a movie because i I very I try not to fall in love with my pitches because mm-hmm. so many of them don't go anywhere. But I really loved this idea uh and I really thought, you know what, maybe I can make it work as a film and I've been very bad at trying to finish screenplays as my agent reminds me constantly. And so I thought, well, if I really <laughs> if I really believe in this, I should be able to get this thing done. So that's trying to write a screenplay. So what what do you think is the challenge? Because you mentioned third act especially, right? This was something we talked about at mm-hmm. the cough mic. Um, what do you think is the challenge of finishing a screenplay versus finishing a TV episode? Why is it harder to finish this screenplay? Because, oh, that's so easy. Yeah? Why? That's the easiest question on earth. <laughs> when I'm writing a television show, they give me a deadline. And it has to be done mm-hmm. or there will be consequences. <laughs> when I'm writing a movie for myself, if I finish it, I have to give it to somebody to read mm-hmm. and they might not like it. <laughs> so if I don't finish it, no one can ever say it sucks. <laughs> so it's more of it's not about the actual. Well, the challenges in the craft are as as far as a third act in a feature that it you solve problems so differently. It's just I, who's I, waiting it, for it may it. be for some people. Um, I, I'm just saying for me, uh, I love having a deadline. And if there was some way I could enforce a deadline, I, I, at one point I was with a friend of mine as a screenwriter. We we had a deal. If we didn't write five pages a day, we had to pay the other person ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Did great, mm-hmm. and then he finished his ahead of mine. And my daughter was born. <laughs> and 
uh, I'm still trying to finish that screenplay three years later. I'm going to give you a deadline. Can I give you a deadline? <laughs> sure. Okay. Here's the deal. So uh, with my clients, um, I'm booked with script consultation six months. Okay. Mm-hmm. So realistically, you can't get an appointment till October. Yes. So I'm going to give you a consultation appointment. For, for a free um, consultation? Of course, because okay. he's a, a guest in my pocket. Right. I sit around and, and, you know, then turn around and charge him. That would be horrible. I'm going to give you a consultation, Jack, and I'm going to charge you. For and it. I'm going to give you a discount. Uh, no, no. And, are, are you serious? I'm serious. And your uh, deadline is going to be October 15th. That is great. Okay. Oh, my gosh. That um, is so freeing. All right. And if you... If you snooze, you lose because if if uh, you'll have to wait a whole other six months. Did you say October fifteenth? October fifteenth. And it's not free. Okay? If he doesn't make his deadline, it's not free. <laughs> this, that's, no, that's I'm trying fair. to up the stakes. You're trying to get his poker money back again. No, I'm just trying to up the stakes so that he. I know. I'm going to have to play him tougher now to earn the money. Okay. All right. No, that is a that is a great fair deal. That's a while away. Yeah, and I would love to have a consultation from you. Okay, October 15th. There it is. October 15th. Boy, that's way too much time. No. Did you it's realistic with all the stuff you have to do. You know, and that's the, you know, that's why I bought, I'll just say I bought your book. Because, you know, somebody like me who has a day job, even though it's writing, it is hard for me to find that time during the day. To go, I'm going to work on a different project. It is. It's very uh, hard. Jack told me something about your book. He said that, that you know the premise of your book is to to write your s- script in those found uh, moments of time that you have. And Jack said he is actually reading your book in, in those, those found, found moments, moments of time. It's which filling is, up that time, which is actually something I'm I'm worried about. You know, like if I I want people to here's the deal. When I look at a screenwriting book, I skip right to the table. I do. I skip right to really? like whatever graph they have, and I go, "Oh, okay, that's Sid Field's breakdown of three act structure in that little graph there. Got it." You know, and I'm absolutely fine if people do that with my book too. Skip right to the exercise. You know, if if the exercise does not seem like okay, I get it. Go in and read some of the the directions about it. But I would rather people were doing it than just reading about it. Right. So that's to anybody out there who's slowing their process down by reading the damn thing just just go in and do it so yeah. i think a lot of people get well i, I gotta read this book and then i'm gonna write right and they no. they shouldn't do that with anything and right. there's a lot of writers out there that do that with all kinds of books i have yeah. to st- i have to study and it's like no you know what get an instinct for what everybody's saying to you mm-hmm. about sort of the the bones of writing and then try it out be a writer not a reader right uh my friend uh, Jane Espenson, uh, you know who Jane is? She wrote on familiar. Battlestar and well, I think Buffy and I great. met her on a different project. It sounds like Jane. a future podcast guest yes, to me. Yes, uh, Jane is so great. But every once in a while, if you follow her on Twitter, she'll go, all right, everybody, writing sprint. Oh, I have heard about her. She does a lot with uh, Script Chat. Oh, and really? Yeah. Script Chat, Script chat is pretty cool. If anybody uh, is is listening who isn't on Script Chat, go to it on Twitter. And it's this huge writing community. And she is really big on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she'll just sort of assign people. Okay, let's do it. And then we're going to go in five yeah. minutes. We're going to go for 30 minutes. Yeah. And we're not going to stop. It's and really- uh, she's one of the more brilliant writers I've run into in the last few years. Excellent. Is she here? Is she local? Yeah, she's here somewhere. Okay. I need her. Well, she might be. I don't know because she wrote a Game of Thrones, and I don't know. Do you go someplace to write a Game? Oh, of Thrones? You go to a castle. God, God, we love that show. Do you watch Game of Thrones? Yet? Oh, of course. Yeah. How can you not? You know, I didn't, and then some people told me about it, and I watched like nine of them in a row yeah. over like two days, and then the the 
season finale was on, and I was like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready. That's what you have to do, you yeah. know. It, and then you like get out and you just like want like a leg of mutton and a, a naked girl, but not me. You know, I'm just saying one. No, might. hey, no, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> no, you, yeah. Do you want a naked girl? Oh, you know, no, not really. Um, we have a naked girl running around after we the have, bath yeah. at home. <laughs> yeah. seven. Um, uh, yeah, we have a th- well. Audrey will be three uh, this Saturday, and she's her favorite thing after the bath is to run around the house going naked, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that's Pat's too. That's how you get dried off. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's how you get dried off. Um, I, have a, I have a question for you about your feature. So, mm-hmm. is your feature live action or is it animation? Well, uh, it could be done either as a live action CGI hybrid, or it could be done as animation. Interesting. So you're not. So so it's it's there's a fantasy element to it. It could mm. be done either way. Right. Uh if you had your druthers, what how would you how would you like to see it? Um I don't I have an answer to that. I guess financially I would rather it be done as live action with a CGI element because I know the minimums for the WGA are so much higher than the <laughs> minimums for the animation. I love how though. you think like a producer. It's great. Well, I mean look, this is a business. Yeah. And and people need to respect that. The people who want to be in it, the truth of the matter is ri- there's a lot of times when writing is fun, but most of the time it isn't. Mm-hmm. The real writers, the people who make money at it, they write when they don't feel like it. That makes that makes a lot of sense because when you go to your job every day, whether if it's a writing job or not, n- most people don't feel like going to work. You yeah. know, and they have to go to work if that's what they make money at. And luckily, we ha- we're in a creative uh, job. But there are times where you just don't feel creative, and you got to figure out a way to to do it. You know. So actually, we usually uh, end the podcast with three questions for okay. our more accomplished writers like oh, you. Golly! So I, that brings me to some questions. Oh, I wanted to get into something else. Oh, what? I'm not going to say anything. What? Are you allowed to talk about any of your the top secret thing you're working on? I, uh, no, I can't, can't talk about. Yeah, it. All right. that's why I'm avoiding. Okay, it. Uh, but I will say it's. Uh, from what I've seen of it so far, it looks pretty cool. Well, then you'll come back then and talk about that later. Yeah, when, yeah. They, when they're more open about it, I, I can talk okay, about cool. it. Okay, uh, cool. But it's been great. And, it's, and it's I'm just going to say it's big. It's really, okay. really so, big. So sit on that fan. I know. I, we, hope, it, I hope it will be. Well, you, know, you never to, know. That's true, but it's, it's poised, poised when, to be big. When it's talkable, aboutable. Because yeah. uh, because I think if we could at least just tell the listeners at that point, I mean, they'll really be blown away by what the top secret project. Yeah, I'll be at. interested. It might come out this summer. I mean, news about it might come out this summer. Okay, cool. Uh, I can say it's animated. Yeah. There you go. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So so a couple of questions <laughs> for you. Sure. We, we always ask, what's your best writing tip? I mean, you mentioned get up and write and you have to do it but mm-hmm. on a craft level what's your best writing tip uh, I'll tell you a tip I just was told and I maybe it's because I'm from an older generation <laughs> uh, when you when you sit down and you uh, are looking at what you have to write write the scenes that are most fun first don't write in a linear order and I would never have thought to do that. These two writers I'm working with on uh, Dragon, we were talking about the, our first scripts we had to write. And I was going, yeah, you know, my second act is just it's going to be so much laying pipe. And they go, oh, well, just, why don't you write the third act first? That's where all the fun is. I was like, yeah, I could do that, couldn't I? Yeah. And then if I write <laughs> the third act first, then I'll do, go back and I'll do the first. And then I just have to link them up in the second. 
don't necessarily write an order. Mm-hmm. Write some fun scenes first. A, it will energize you, and B, it will get you going. And sometimes just getting yourself going is the hardest part. And you know what you have to write toward now. There's right. also a logic with the scenes that come next. You might not have to throw them out because you know, no, right. that's the stage I need to get me to that third act. Right. And that actually helped me with the screenplay I've been talking about in the sense that I thought, you know what? I'm not going to worry about the third act hooking up with the second act anymore. I'm just going to start writing the third act. And then when it's done, I'll go back and I'll figure out what I, where I went wrong in the second act and make it hook back up. So In the book, have you gotten to the brainstorming backwards part? No, I have not. Oh, go there. Because, because the idea is that if you know what the reveal is and you ask mm-hmm. yourself some questions working backwards, you might have a clever way to get there. So if you, if you say, like, well, what's the big reveal? Okay, well, where did they find it? Well, what was the physical clue that got them there? Well, what was said that triggered them to look for that clue? What event happened that triggered that line that got them to the clue and so on? It's, uh, it's fun. Yeah, you know, that's great advice. It's so funny. It's something I guess we're doing on the show I'm on now without really thinking about it because we're we're always thinking what's our big moment in the script? What's going to be the marquee moment? And then a lot of times we work backwards and go, well, okay, what do we have to do so that that reveal is so earth-shattering? Very cool. Very cool. So, Oh, good. We're if doing I, it without knowing it. Yeah. yeah. If I, if I, we if probably, I we probably owe you a royalty. Jack Thomas team. does, I'm really happy. No, uh, that's just a good test that it works. Can't say that it was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, second question for you is what is your best business tip what's your best business tip for dealing with the business or something people should know about the business um don't be stingy if you get representation Hmm. uh when i my first gig i got writing um i had uh, an involved story but somehow tom arnold got in touch with me and wanted me and I uh, wanted myself and three other sit, uh, stand-ups he knew to go to Toronto to rewrite a movie called Carpool that he was going to be his next movie. And he wanted us to all get in a room and just sort of punch it up and make it funnier. And I didn't have an agent, but my, my roommate did. So he said, well, I'll call her and see if she will handle this for you. And when it, when it was done, she called me back. She goes, look, it's pretty much it's a take-it-or-leave offer. It's not much money. You don't owe me anything for this. Wow. And I said, you know what? I want you to take money from this because I need you to get used to making money from me. Nice. And then I got a couple of other non-union things and I had her handle those too and paid her the commission. And one day she just called me and said, I pretty much need to sign you, right? Because you're working more than my union clients are. Because the first things I did, you know, writing for the NFL pregame show, that was all non-union stuff. And I, and I think it was an asset to her to have somebody who didn't, you know, who could do non-union work. And also, I, 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 hadn't, I hadn't worried about nickels and dimes early on. I said, yeah, make some money from me. Let's both see that we can make money because it's so hard to get an agent. And if you go, well, I really wrote this before you represented it, just give them the 10%. Sure. Get them invested in you. Because it really is an agent or a manager is a partnership. You're the majority partner, but you need them because you know. I think to succeed, you have to have some decent representation out it, here. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. Is she still your agent? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Well, yeah, actually, she sort of pushed me off on her assistant. Okay. Then her assistant became my agent. Okay. And then when they split, 
uh, I went with the assistant because she was really doing the work. It was very amicable. Between okay, them. great. Sure. Yeah, but it was the, it's yeah, it's basically the same people. And All there's right. a, a lesson in be nice to the assistant. <laughs> the assistant the is going to have yeah. that job. Man, that is the truth. I mean, <laughs> they're not there to be assistants. They're there to grow up to be full fledged agents, and cultivating a good relationship with them and and being nice to them and treating them like human beings is a great thing to do. I, I just. You, I cannot undersell how important that is. Don't be a dick. <laughs> Don't be a dick. Yeah, that's, okay. That's, that's, <laughs> okay, the the third and last question um, is: How do you have any tricks for overcoming writer's block? Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I game. I play online gaming, and uh, and if that doesn't, I mean, well, how, that's also a time that waster. No, I think you got to divert yourself. I mean. A long time ago, I, I like everybody else, I read that Woody Allen biography. So I've tried to stand in the shower because <laughs> that's what he does. When he gets writer's block, he gets he goes takes a long shower. And it is – my wife does get mad at me because I do take 45-minute showers sometimes mm-hmm. because I'm thinking things through. And you can talk things out in the shower. You can play the parts. Sure. Uh, I, I, I just think you just have to divert yourself. Uh, that's my two cents. Okay, and maybe doing online gaming too. Your imagination is going. You're still kind of storytelling as you're yeah, doing that, yeah, right? I think so. It's probably not the smartest thing. <laughs> I mean, I literally had to take World of Warcraft off my computer because I would never write again <laughs> because it's so immersive and you just. But you got back. You you know, if it, if that gets you through writer's block, then I, I would imagine the idea is you know you go back fresh, right? Well, I don't. I don't want to substitute somebody else's creativity for my own. You know. Uh. And that world is is so well done. I mean, uh, if you haven't played it, it's hard to believe it. But it is so creative and it's so huge. And you could just waste so many hours wandering around in it. But what, that's really what I'm doing. I'm going, wow, I, I guess I'm willing to, to write my own story in this world they've created as opposed to maybe writing a story on a page that could send my daughter to college. <laughs> <laughs> because I used to have a picture of her going, please write, Daddy. I want to go to college on my computer. <laughs> If, just think if you could play World of Warcraft in the shower. Uh, that would be you know, just you, the best. Somebody somewhere does. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> That's right. You could come up with a waterproof version of that, honey. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to take the trash out. I'm just going to take the trash out tonight, honey. <laughs> okay. All right. Jack, I really want to thank you so much for being oh, here. Well, thanks. I hope, I hope I've... You know, any advice I could give. I, no, it's it's all been really good. And, you know, I don't know how many poker games for past been like, you should be on Pilar's podcast. And then I'll like call you up and be like, could you come on tomorrow? Uh, so no. I'm glad we could finally do it. Well, no, I it. was thank glad you. to do it. And thank you for this offer. I'm going to put it. Um, where's Siri? I'm going to tell Siri. October 15th, yeah, October man. 15th. Remind me October 14th to finish my script. And, and any client out there who Siri. has the October 15th spot, don't worry about it. You're not bumped. I'm going to do jacks too. Don't worry. <laughs> Somebody, well, Somebody's going, hey, wait a minute. Hey, I was October 15th. Spot. If, if these pe- if your clients only knew how many things you do in a day, it's really it's kind of crazy, isn't it? I heard you talking about your crazy email situation. Yeah, I yeah, know, yeah. It's ridiculous. I know because uh, the last guest was on. He was like, he goes, the only thing that's longer than waiting for my contract to get signed is waiting for a response from you from email. And I was like, <laughs> oh god, I feel so bad. You know, in hundreds, my head, I'm responding. Hundreds of emails that she has to get through. It is people but, from all over the world. It's crazy. But there, you know, and I really want to eat. I don't know if you have this problem with somebody who, in your field. I want to respond well. I don't want right. those terse little, you know, I, okay, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? you, you, yeah, because of what you do, you want to not seem 
uh, like a dullard. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what it boils she, down to. She wants a well-crafted email response. Uh, yes. It has to have three-act structure. I, yeah, it's, uh, I know. But I think, I think I do have to be better about just saying, okay, I hear you. I'm going to get back to you with a really good response. Yeah, yeah because yeah. in the end, that's really, they care more about being acknowledged right, right. and they're like and that person standing I'm ignoring in line, them you know yeah and waiting for the cashier to look up and go i'll be with you in a second right i should i should i should you need that. to put yourself on deadline to answer these emails oh right. october 15th <laughs> october 15th you will answer all, yes, all emails all responses will be given but until then i want to tell you guys about a couple of things that are happening do go to on the page.tv uh remember new york and chicago people i think it's getting closer by the time this podcast comes out uh, boy, it, you'll really need to be signing up for that class. It is the Coffee Break Rewrite. I only take 30 people per class, okay? So it you go to, on the page.tv, go to Coffee Break Rewrite. It's 100 bucks. It's three-hour intensive of advanced writing tools. Um, also, don't forget the Great American Pitch Fest. I'm going to be doing a master class Friday, June 1st from 7 to 10 p.m., and it will get you all prepared for this Pitch Fest. And if you sign up by May 8th, 18th, you get the Friends of Pitch Fest rate. I'm your friend. Just put in my name, and I think you get a discount. Um, also, also uh, go to Facebook and like us on Facebook. Write a nice uh, review if you like us. And on iTunes, write a nice on review. On iTunes, and if you don't, then just don't. And then <laughs> Pat uh, Rock Solid. Rock Solid Podcast on iTunes, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Pat underscore Francis. Yes. Every once in a while, he makes a, a wife Twitter tweet. Actually, you do a lot of wife tweets. You do tweets. a lot of wife tweets. Yeah. Yeah. Really? yeah. So if you want to yeah. know more about us than you already do, follow Pat. Yeah, we live our life like Dice Clay and his wife uh, back home. That's how all my tweets are. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's nice because that's what I want to be compared oh, to. Oh, geez. Make my dinner. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> and then uh, Jack. Jack, what would you like people to tune into? You've got so many shows and so many things you're doing. What would you like them to well, watch How to Train Your Dragon in the fall. Uh, I guess I'm on Twitter, but I don't really Twitter. I tweet that much. That's why I just called it Twitter that much. Yeah, yeah me too. But I'm ex-lawyer, at ex-lawyer, so I don't know. Maybe I'll say something funny once in a while. Do you get a lot of ex-lawyers following you on ex-lawyer? Uh, no. You know, I used to have a big ex-lawyer website that talked funny stuff about the law. And just as I got more involved with writing for television, it just sort of fell on the wayside. Okay. All right. So if you're an ex-lawyer, don't bother. But if you're a yeah. writer, check out Jack. Check out his shows. Yeah, I'm on Facebook somewhere. Oh, yeah? Do you, do you want to be sure. faced? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, like me. What the heck? Okay. All right. Jack Thomas. Okay? Uh, All right. Everybody. And that's that's how they find you on Facebook, right? Yeah, Is it Jack sure. Thomas? Yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll yeah. figure it out. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank, Thank you, you for, for producing, me. Pat. And um, everybody out there, thanks for listening. And have a good... 15. October 15th. Yeah, that should be all your deadlines, too, everybody. Uh, Go out there, think like Jack, get up in the morning and write something. Have a good writing week. 